You're listening to All Marine Radio. You're listening to All Marine Radio, broadcasting from Costa Mesa, California, on the All Warrior Radio Network. Tuesday morning from Toma, Wisconsin. Yeah, look it up. T O M A H. That's how you spell it. Uh, greetings. Mike McNamara here for a Tuesday morning edition of Walmart Radio. Grant Newsham's going to join me in a few minutes. Uh, something we recorded last night. Um, but, um,. Russia's Ukrainian dance uh, took another step yesterday, and uh, I guess the world awaits what Vladimir Putin has in store for the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, and uh, So it'll see, it'll be interesting as the uh, history, right? And we all have studied it growing up in this country. You know, names like Neville Chamberlain, uh, Hitler, Stalin. And the path to World War II, right, have become historically infamous. Chamberlain, in, in particular, as an appeaser, 
And so we watched the Western Allies and their efforts to make heads or tails of Vladimir Putin um, and, uh, and what's next. And the, uh, the people of the Ukraine, now it's, it's, I will tell you that there's a pretty interesting um, opinion piece in the New York Times. And it's the headline is opinion, uh, opinion. Putin calls Ukrainian statehood a fiction. History suggests otherwise. And it talks about uh, Vladimir Putin's speech that he gave yesterday. And um, and then it, you know, it kind of lays out what he did. And then uh, it proceeds to, you know, I don't want to say ridicule it. It proceeds to point out the flaws in, in his argument. You know, the Ukraine became independent when it gave up its nuclear weapons. That was, that was, that's no joke, right? And so, and so it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very well done piece, written by Michael Schwartz, Maria Verinikova, and Rick Gladstone. I don't know them from anybody, and so um, so essentially, and you'll hear me talk about this when I talk to Grant. But um, Vladimir Putin has uh, has given his military orders to move into the these disputed regions, right, where there's been fighting go going along. Much of it done by Russian troops, right, with their insignias pulled off their uniforms. And um, so the question is, beyond that, what? Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, said he is not inclined to rush to drastic economic sanctions. France's Emmanuel Macron, he is asking for an emergency meeting of the UN, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the President of the United States has put an embargo on development money headed for those annex regions. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? That sounds like a lot of nothing. And so, is this how the world helps Vladimir Putin extricate himself from this thing that he's created? Or will he, is that, the, is that phase one? of an invasion that ultimately has Kiev as its target. Now, we've talked about that with the Mensa brothers, and uh, and I'll, I'll kind of review the news tomorrow uh, in a little bit more depth. But, you know, we talked about the peril that that entails. You know, Western Europe, the United States, the G7, essentially, you know, economically isolating Russia. 
Now, China can step in and buy its oil. And I guess life can go on. Is that in Russia's best interest? And will the Ukrainian people not fight? Or will he face a worse version of Afghanistan? Because you have people that know how to fight and want to fight. And um, so there's a certain amount of dice rolling that goes with that. Is he willing to do that? So, um, you know, nobody knows this morning. As we wake up and look at the world headlines, headline in the Wall Street Journal, Germany halts Russia gas pipeline after Putin orders troops to Ukrainian breakaway regions. Now, I I would tell you this. That's probably the most formidable um, retaliation that has taken place. So, anyway, um, we'll talk about that with Grant. So, um, good morning to you. And without further ado, Grant Newsham, with his thoughts on a whole bunch of this stuff, his thoughts on China looming and watching. You know, China for a, a great superpower and an enabler of Russia gets left out of this entire discussion, if you notice that. Very odd. Why isn't why isn't China being brought into this as a as a as a partner saying you need to help us with this? But China China very conveniently seems to step out of it. An enabler, but not held accountable. Why? Because the world's greed, right, that funds China's rise, Wall Street in particular, won't have that because it will cut into their profits. Pretty sad. It is what it is, though. So, without further ado, Mr. Grant Newsham. Joining me on a Tuesday instead of a Monday, because I'd like to tell you it's because of the holiday, but that wasn't really the reason. The reason was I was traveling. And so so joining me right now is uh, Grant Newsham. Grant, how are you? Oh, pretty good. uh, Every day, the the good news, it uh, stacks up like jets over LaGuardia after a fog's vault. Rolled in. There you go. There you go. And just uh, within the last 30 minutes here on this Monday afternoon, uh, Vladimir Putin orders Russian forces into separatist regions in Ukraine for, quote, peacekeeping purposes. Um, Signed a decree after a fiery speech today and uh, uh, in which he uh, asserted Russia's um, historical claim to Ukraine. And so uh, the Kremlin is, has issued orders for the Russian military to move. So, again, the question I think has been for a while, okay, uh, he's going to move. How far is he going to move? That's the question. So, um, anyway, and there's m- been much written about that. So, Grant, uh, first of all, Two questions. Your thoughts on on this action by the Kremlin, um, and then um, 
how far how far do you what's next how far does he go to kiev as uh as president biden asserted that he would does he go to these separatist regions um so what are your thoughts oh boy um i think that that putin probably reads john boyd uh in translated into russian because he certainly got inside america's ooda loop and you know we're just reacting to whatever it is he does and and uh, he's doing whatever he does you know i haven't seen this latest thing uh, that you've mentioned um but if it's as you described it and i'm sure it is that what i think may be going on is putin is uh about to declare these two sort of uh separatist states in ukraine part of russia and nobody had better do anything about it and so what he will have done is he will have taken territory from an independent country ukraine uh and has solidified he's done the last step towards hiving it off and calling it russia and that's what it sounds like and there's a there is significance to that because you're there's no uh, what's called game there's no veil over this anymore uh he's saying it's you know I want it I took it how do you like that and the, that is a big deal if you stop and think about it the in DC and both sides of the aisle but uh but this administration in particular there will be a tendency to oh say this is bad and complain and whine but nobody's going to do anything about it and as i said you have now allowed one country a member of the united nations security council to take territory from another independent country and in fact the biggest democracy in europe which ukraine is by size at least and what's the response going to be i'll bet you nothing much uh, so that's what how i would look at this latest thing in terms of what um putin is going to do you know move on kiev see some uh, coastal territory down south in ukraine or such like you know i don't know uh you know he can do any of those that he and you know if he wants to and he probably thinks he could do it and not face all that much uh, sort of downside and all that much punishment um or he might just decide well i've sort of gotten something from all of this i've intimidated the europeans the americans uh and i've gotten these you know formally have taken these two easternmost parts of ukraine and i've given my troops some good training so i'll be back um but for now you know i'm i'm ahead of the you know i'm ahead of the game you know let these people let this biden administration declare victory uh and but i'll be back and so that's kind of how i would look at this you know it's you know i've given up trying to predict exactly what uh putin's going to do um yeah you but, know, it's it's yeah. listen listen to this so <clears throat> and these are things that are kind of breaking as we're we're chatting here White House press secretary Jen Psaki said President Biden would issue an executive order prohibiting US investment and trade in the breakaway regions. Like in the that's it, right? Euro- European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen called President called Putin's recognition 
of the breakaway territories a blatant violation of international law and said the bloc would react with unity, firmness, and the determination, and with determination, in solidarity with Ukraine. French President Emmanuel Macron called the declaration a violation of the sovereignty of Ukraine and called for an emergency meeting of UN Security Council echoing Ukraine's request from earlier today. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson signaled a willingness to hold off on imposing sanctions but said Putin's move was a very ill omen and a very dark sign. NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg accused Moscow of escalating the conflict and urged Russia to choose diplomacy. Now, think about this. So he's, Vladimir Putin is essentially going to move his Russian troops into these separatist regions. And so you have the President of the United States saying that um, the hammer we're going to drop on you is we're going to prohibit investment into those small regions. (laughs) That's a joke. And then you have Boris uh, Johnson saying that we're willing to hold off sanctions. And so, I mean, I think people have often heard Grant say, you know, strongly worded statements and hand-wringing. And you're watching it in motion here. You're watching it in motion. I don't know what else to call it. Grant? Um, that'll do. <laughs> but it really <laughs> is something. I mean, we, you know, I... It's crazy. You know, one would be surprised if there was five cents of American investment in those two, that easternmost part of Ukraine. It's it's not high on anybody's list. Uh, so how is this going to hurt Putin? You know, they, what you've watched happen, and this is what, you know, I, some people I've talked to who, uh, you know, who see things differently and, um, but, you know, do see things and uh, they and are probably better plugged in than me to the the swamp. Um, but they say that what oh what you're watching is just this brilliant what an information operations campaign against Putin. And what they're talking about is how if you've noticed how the administration has been sort of calling whatever Putin is going to do right. like a step or two ahead. Right. You know, he's going to launch these um, what, provocations or, um, you know, what, what have you. You know, he's got his troops into launch position, uh, etc. And the idea is that this is going to dissuade him. Um, but what, what the one, you know, if you were to be an optimist and getting paid to uh, put forth this view, you would say, well, it's at least keeping Putin from building up this narrative like he did before uh, the Georgia uh, assault in 2008 or so, and like he did before Crimea. So he, you know, he, he, before that, you know, he was saying, well, we're doing this because we got reasons, you know, the Georgians have attacked us, you know, we're, and he sets up this argument, which gets a lot of, it it fools a lot of Westerners in particular. And and what you're doing by exposing what he's doing, you've undercut, you know, his uh, ability and capability in that regard. So if he says, you know, the, you know, if he was planning to say, well, you know, I had to do it because these separatists attacked us. And if the Americans point out, obviously, with some intelligence background, 
saying, look, this is what, exactly what the Russians are going to do, and this is what it's going to look like. Well, that makes it hard for him to build up the narrative, to create this sense of justification for what he's doing. But okay, well, that's one. If It's okay, I guess, if you do it once in a while. But what's the rest of the plan? You know, what what is the uh, what else are you going to do to make it so uh, Putin wishes he wasn't born if he does something? Right. And I don't and, see and what so, that so is. So the, infor- the, the information operations are great for shaping and, and at least that NATO in the West doesn't look as inept as they did standing around with their hands in their pockets kicking rocks when he went into uh, Crimea. Right. So, OK, so they mm-hmm. learn from this and now they're. You know they're they're obviously listening and have other intelligence resources and they're you know and they're pointing out hey you know the Russians okay but then they do it and now what strong and what you have is a strong word statement economic <laughs> you know embargo on the separatist regions oh whoa and Boris Johnson saying well we'll hold off uh, uh, sanctions and Emmanuel Macron say we'll go to the UN that is collectively what. Nothing to Vladimir Putin. Yeah, it's like multiplying by zero. Right. <laughs> um, it, 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 yeah. It, it, so you, you know, that that was you know my response to my 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 friends is that you know, well what else you know now what what if he yeah, says again, okay I got it I don't care if, if then, the shaping the shaping you know operations you know are part of it's part of national power it's part of but there's got to be something when they when they cross the line now what so look like like okay look we will absolutely give you high marks for your shaping and and your intelligence uh, uh your information operations well done crickets 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 but isn't there doesn't somebody have some brass knuckles in their pocket and when they walk in we're going to smoke them in the jaw and break their jaw uh, nobody has any brass knuckles. So we have these magnificent shaping operations. We've exposed him for the jackass that he is, and um, and we got nothing? And that's how this is going to work? The only cherry on top would it be would be for Germany to announce that Nord 2 is going to start flowing. <laughs> no, no, no. A, yeah, extend the open hand of friendship. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> In order to encourage Russian diplomacy, we're now going to yeah. open Nord 2 and we're going to finish Nord 3 and get that thing online as quick as we can. Um, well, I mean, it's, yeah, just, it's, I, just, I it's astounding to watch. It's astounding to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. But it, see, I've given up trying to you know, predict you know, what's going to happen. But it... Uh, so you know, I, my my guess is, if I had to guess, yeah, which I don't want to do because I've been wrong every time. But right. uh, I think that you know, if you can grab, say, this easternmost part of Ukraine, and you've already got Crimea, and that's about, as I understand it, about twenty percent of the country, you've taken it, and you're going to get away with it, and there's no real punishment for you well that's not a bad day's work you know from uh, Putin's perspective and it you know you just wonder what is what's next and he knows that anytime he wants he can turn this up and you know just do something similar and he'll get 
something something else. Well, you know, and uh, he, either so Grant, here's what I was thinking. So all this all this posturing and, and, and saying if he does this, you know, there's gonna be, you know, consequences. And so so now he 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 annexes pieces of Ukraine and he essentially crosses your line and you say and so so here's the question. So why would he only cross it a little bit if the sanctions were certain? And so is somebody back-channeling something and say, look, if you just take those separatist regions, we will, you know, mill about smartly, but it needs to stop there. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, that, that, because, that's, because yeah, what I would expect to, to see, yeah, yeah, what I would expect to see is, okay, you cross that line, we're going to drop this on you, you know, Europe's going to, the United States is going to drop to, to do it. And so is this what gets Putin out of this? Um, so I, I, I guess I will, you know, we'll obviously watch it in real time. But um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of, I don't understand. He, he He's doing what you told him not to do and there would be consequences and now there's no consequences. And so all these things that you're hearing would all be consistent with a non-response, right? And this is, is this how we, you know, walk ourselves back from the, you know, the the brink of war, right? And everybody oh. can everybody sh- everybody can uh, save their ego, right? So he takes something he already owns. We we do something that we don't even give a shit about. You know, everybody else bloviates. And we can all go home, and we're not going to go. We're not going to go to war. Yeah, and there'll be plenty of people. You know, just watch. You know, if you know if it, if this is what he stops stops with this time, there'll be plenty of people on our side saying it was a great success. Right. We went up to the abyss and we looked into it and we pulled back. Uh, and it was, and maybe there'll be a pull, whatever they call that thing, a Nobel Prize in it for um, for Biden, and maybe for. Uh, President Macron, Macron of uh, France, it uh, you know you you wonder you know because there's going to be lots of think thought. Well, they boy they went up to the edge and they avoided <laughs> war, and now it this is <laughs> not not quite. They've just postponed that trip to the dentist, uh, and th- th- you would think I, I'll bet you that's what happened now. And you're going to see the the de- you know the Washington Post, New York Times. They're going to describe how this was a great success, a sign of Biden's leadership, blah, blah, blah. But it's the the end of nothing uh, at all. And and that's where I think we're we're going to see. Again, I mean, you know, so is that does that then become phase one of, you know, the next phase, which is to go to Kiev? And I don't know that anybody rightly knows that. Um, Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Um, The Olympics conclude. China mostly avoids any kind of, um, I mean, the world behaves itself, you know, the crowd behaves itself, the Chinese lean on people. Most of the athletes behave themselves and don't, you know, do anything untoward while in China. Um, And uh, Xi Jinping is one of Vladimir Putin's enablers now. Um, But I've yet to see anybody say, yeah, we need Xi Jinping in these discussions as well. So this little sleight-of-hand trick where, 
you know, he meets with Putin and, and, uh, you know, the Axis powers are together. And, uh, and, and as you quite, quite, you know, um, appropriately pointed out that China, you know, can consume, you know, Russia's natural resources and keep him in business if the rest of the world embargoes him. So, um, China's role in all this, China's perspective in all of this, and um, I don't know, your thoughts on, kind of curious that they're nowhere in this discussion. Not too much. They've um, apparently made a statement just the other day, and it was reported in the Wall Street Journal, I think, without any real assessment. And I didn't pay too close attention, but the headlines was that China is sort of saying to Putin, don't go into Ukraine or something like that. But if you read it carefully, they're not saying anything at all. And you should always dismiss whatever any official Chinese statement is. Um, You know, they are backing uh, Putin. They're watching closely to see what the response is. Um, But, you know, China opera for now, it's operating, you know, it's almost like a tag team match. Uh, you know, you've got the Russians doing their thing, and then China has its thing going in Asia. And, you know, as noted, they seem to have almost split up the world at that, that meeting they had. Uh, they, But the, you should never think that um, China is opposed to, to whatever Russia is doing. Uh, you know, that's, but that's where the, the, you know, the press and what some observers will try to make this argument that, that China is restraining the Russians somehow, uh, but I don't don't see it that way. I think they're just watching and not obstructing. And um, when you know they've got their interests, which for now are in Asia, and Putin has his interests, which are in Europe. And uh, of course, the Chinese and the Russians do kind of come together in Central Asia, where they uh, are sort of leery of each other. So that, but the the Olympics was, you know, I didn't pay much attention to them. But as you noted, uh, they were held. I don't know how much good publicity the Chinese got out of it. I would say very little. Yeah. Uh, what was my reading of it? That, you know, but the, it, it could have been more. Time, I would tell you, Grant, for the first time in my life, um, I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, well, you know, I tell you, I'm a like a men's figure skating guy. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a. It, no, uh, I we grew I, up. I we either. grew up. We grew up watching that stuff, and yeah. um, I don't know. I didn't have any stomach to watch it because the um, the athletes um, were going to go there, and they would become uh, dancing figures. In a Russian ballet, in a Chinese uh, ballet, and uh, disgusting, absolutely disgusting in my opinion. And yeah. uh, I, uh, I don't know. To me, it's it's pretty depressing um, when you know <clears throat> athletes that are so socially conscious can go into a country that oppresses the way the Chinese do, and nobody says a word. And the reason you're not going to say a word is because you're going to damage your own brand. And um, it's just phenomenal, in my opinion. And so I didn't, I didn't, because of that, I didn't watch any of it. Not one, not yeah. one second. 
No, I got little glimpse of it, like for maybe photographs more than anything. But yeah, you see, it uh, looked like they were holding it in Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> you know, by some, um, you know, empty, like a deserted steel mill, which I think they were. And it was about as unappealing a, a place as you could imagine to hold an Olympics. Uh, so they, you know, I would imagine that any athlete who went, you know, got a pretty good look at what that communist system is like and probably didn't like what they see but as you or what they saw but as you said you know nobody spoke up at the time and you know there's certainly an intimidation factor play there um but if uh you know it is funny if it had been say held in los angeles and they were unhappy about whatever people would have been yapping but oh you God. go to china and all of these people suddenly go quiet and you know, you, and then there are the companies that sponsored this, with NBC having lost, you know, at least a few hundred million, I think, because uh, nobody was watching the thing. Well, you know, and, now, and now though, this happens with such regularity, it's not even it's not even a surprise anymore. Yeah, you know, it's not even a surprise anymore. No, it's actually when somebody actually speaks up, and if you said. You know, million dollars, Newsham. If you could name the last company that spoke up about uh, these sorts of, you know, the, the Chinese uh, sort of human rights uh, assault, I don't know who it would be. You know, I, I can't think of a company. Well, the last, the last prominent kerfuffle was uh, that NBA player Enos Cantor, but I, I didn't see him saying anything uh, during the Olympics. I mean, uh, well, unless I too busy, yeah, unless I'm too miss- busy getting cut. <laughs> I think they, uh, you know, they they traded him to Houston and cut him immediately. Did they? Is that I'm what sure happened? That, yeah, that is it. So, boy, that tells you plenty. Right. It, uh, you know, we're old enough, you know, to remember when the word hypocrite, right. you know, actually, you know, it used to be like an insult. Oh my God! And yeah. you know, it could even make a certain type of person cringe. Right. And these days, it, you know, I don't know. It's like calling them, I don't know, a scoundrel, you know, or a rascal. Yeah. You know, one of these words nobody uses. It just seems to have no effect at all. Yeah. But the but NSG yeah, and Cantor was waved right out of the league um, during the Olympics. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, I've asked you this before, and I'll ask you this just to see if you've uh, changed your thoughts at all. Um, does what Vladimir Putin does impact what Xi Jinping in Europe does? Uh, does it impact Xi Jinping's view of uh, Taiwan and and? Uh, Western weakness will be get more. Con- and again, it is as old as as old can be, right? Um, weakness begets conflict. Strength yeah. begets stabili- stability. Um, <clears throat> your thoughts on that? Does uh, does this impact or influence uh, Xi Jinping? Uh, I think it does. And you're right about it being old. You know, I remember like there was a Flintstone episode. <laughs> this was the, uh, I think even back in Fred Flintstone's era, they knew this uh, dynamic. But the, um, yes, it, I think it does. You know, it, it the specifics vary, you know, of course. And there's people who, you know, who write word, you know, thousands of words on why Ukraine is not the same as Taiwan, et cetera, et cetera. But the, Sort of in the, the broader perspective, I think when the Chinese, when Xi Jinping looks at it, you know, he, he looks at it and you see a country, you know, you see Russia, you know, demand to take, to have part of, uh, 
another independent country. It's our right, and, is what he asserted. It, it's our right to that country. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've I've heard the these recent that recent speech he gave like just recently, and that's what he's saying. It's Russians, and you know that's all there is to it. And you, so while Ukraine is a you know formally recognized country, you know Taiwan is in every respect of, you know, what it takes to be a country, it meets every requirement and then some. Uh, and so there's a slight difference. There's a difference there, right. but that's for the, the lawyers to argue. Um, and you look at what has the response been, you know, from the, the West? Uh, it's been a lot of talk, a lot of concern, furrowed brows, shuttle diplomacy. Uh, you have NATO, you know, if they're splitting apart, you have... You know, some NATO countries scurrying to Russia to talk. Uh, there's a lot of you know internal friction uh, within the the opposition to you know what the Russians are doing. But what is actually being done that puts uh, Putin at a disadvantage? You know, economically, militarily, strategically. Uh, I don't see what that is. And so, where's the downside to all of this? Well, it's I suppose you say, well, it's embarrassing. It makes you look like you don't play by the rules. Well, since when has a regime like the Russian one or the Chinese one cared about that? So I think that um, Xi Jinping and the, you know his cronies they look at this, and I think they like what they see uh, with Ukraine. You know, the, when the so you just have to um, really turn up the heat on you know Taiwan, and you know that. There will be the the rest of the world. Their hair will catch on fire, and they will do whatever's necessary to put it out. But they won't turn up the heat on you very much. And I think he, as I say, I think he likes what he sees for when the time comes. Uh, and you know, as I wouldn't have seen anything in the American or European response to what Putin has done towards Ukraine that would cause me really any concern if I was was the Chinese. Just how it looks to me. Got it. Um, what's new in the Pacific that has your attention? <laughs> the uh, One of the funny things is that the, um, uh, the Chinese just um, lazed a, an Australian P-8. Yeah. In, a big, uh, down, in, a, in a big way, right? Yeah, it's uh -huh. not. And when I say that in a big way, it's not like they um, they flashed it and shut the laser off. They mm -hmm. smoked it with the laser. They kept it on the aircraft. And uh, you know, and the thing is, so that that was one. That is, it isn't like you just sort of, you know, you had some bored watchstander who thought he'd play with the laser the way I would have. But um, you know, you don't do that without. You know, without knowing what you're doing and without having gotten permission from the very top. Uh, this is not a system in China where uh, initiative is rewarded. Um, so this had approval, you know, as I say, from the very top. And it is by any measure a threatening move. And it's, you know, in itself, it's just one laser. But it tells you that the Chinese have just told the Australians, you know, we're coming. And what are you going to do about it? And, and that it is an absolute display of contempt right. for the Australians and a threat. But also when you look at what uh, the ships involved, uh, 
I think one was a destroyer and the other was an amphib, like an LPD. And they were sailing through the, the waters sort of north of Australia, very close to the close to the the northern coastline, and headed east into the Coral Sea. And it's just a familiar name to um, at least most of us. And you have so you have this LPD out and about. And at the same time, the Chinese LPD, another one, showed up in Tonga the other day with relief supplies for the the Tongans who got hit by that volcano and tsunami. So the Chinese have kind of bracketed Australia, you know, with uh, an LPD off to the you know, sort of up to the north and another one over in Tonga in the South Pacific. And it is a sign of what is coming. You know, you remember, you know, it wasn't all that many years ago when, you know, if you if you had mentioned to Marines, uh, at least the ones that supposed to think about these things, that the Chinese would have an amphibious force out and about to rival ours, that you would, you would, eyes would roll, people would laugh at you. And well, how wrong could you be? But this is just a taste of what's coming. Uh, and you know, the Chinese are cranking, they're building seven ships for every one the Americans are putting in the water. And that even if you include our LCS ships. Uh, and so you're going to see, as I said, the Chinese equivalent of Mu Args in the region, I think, uh, before too long. Um, also, another thing that didn't get attention, and so there's a picture of it, um, it's a Chinese Y-20 that is on the ground at Henderson Field um, in the Solomon Islands, um, whatever they call it now, that's in Honiara. And it's bringing in COVID supplies. Of course, the Chinese brought COVID uh, to the Solomon Islands, but this they're also bringing in um, what you call it, policing supplies because the Chinese uh, you know, have sent something like six police advisors to the Solomon Islands to help restore order. And this is the proverbial camel's nose under the tent. So, you know, I see these two amphibs down in the, the southern waters and that Y-20 uh, in the Solomons, the second one they've sent recently, and then a, a couple of them down in Tonga as well. And you're seeing this Chinese, I think, power projection, I think is the word. Um, and it, it's coming. You know, so the Chinese, I think, also have taken off at least one of the gloves because you know, they could have done this you know, years ago. But now I think they finally see that nobody's really going to stop them. Uh, and that, to me, was actually the the, the most significant thing going on um, in the region uh, in just in the last uh, week or so was those two amphibs and and the Y20s. Their Y20s are like um, RC17s. It's a rough equivalent. But you look at the picture, and uh, you know if you you know the, seeing the Chinese plane down there, and it makes your skin crawl. It's not the end of the game, but you know, to have allowed this to happen with so little in response that, you, you know, it's disappointing, um, particularly with all the legions of merit that have been handed out over the last 20 <laughs> years. Uh, you know, they, in fact, you know, I've, you know, there's um, also that uh, the Americans have done some very impressive high-end exercises um, up in Northeast Asia, you know, in the South China Sea and also down in, you know, over the Philippine Sea, sort of to the, the east of the Philippines and south of Okinawa. And, you know, they've brought together, you know, 
couple carrier groups, I think, or a carrier group and uh, a couple of MUARGs and exercised. And it is impressive stuff, you know, make no mistake. And you know how it is when you see a, an amphib force and the carriers operating. It's really impressive. Um, but it, you know, I, it's nice, you know, make no mistake. But, you know, I, at the same time, I look at it and, you know, I note that, you know, we're missing what's going on elsewhere. Uh, and once again, Solomons, Tonga, Kiribati, uh, Vanuatu, just throughout the Pacific, we're missing that while we're putting on this very handsome show. So maybe in baseball terms, you know, we're like some team that really does well in uh, home run derby competitions, but we don't know how to, you know, move a runner to second with a sacrifice bunt or to hit the cutoff man. You know, these basic things that you've got to be able to do. Uh, if you're going to be a successful team, but we can do all of the, uh, we can hit home runs. Uh, but if you, sometimes it's knowing how to bunt is maybe a little better than just doing home runs. So that's what I see going on. And the uh, Americans are, of course, publicizing these Northeast Asia exercises to high heaven. Uh, while all, while the, sort of behind them, they're getting undercut and uh, outmaneuvered is my look at it, my take on it. The um, I, I, I saw a story that that I pulled because it amused me. Russia, I mean uh, Australia, um, does a lot of truth telling in the Pacific, right? Um, headline: China Russia remarked by Britain's Liz Truss truce trust truce quote nothing short of demented from Australia's XPM Paul Keating. <laughs> the, British foreign, the British Foreign Secretary told the Sydney Morning Herald, Beijing may use a Russian invasion of Ukraine as a chance to launch its own aggression. Keating, who also pushes for more engagement with China, said Britain does, does not add up to a row of beans in regard to East Asia. <laughs> I thought that was rather I thought that was rather amusing, right? I thought that was rather amusing. I think the Brits have 26 warships in the navy now. If I'm not mistaken, something like that. Not so many right yeah. anymore. I, I I would have to look that up. Um but I thought I read that number someplace. And um yeah, the Royal Navy, not so much anymore, but uh um, and again, it's this constant, and you just alluded to it a few minutes ago, it's this constant fight between what do we do about China, but we don't want to harm our own economic interest. Yeah, that's what we do. They, but Paul Keating, you know, going back to that, uh, he is much, 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 much closer to China than a human should be. Uh, <laughs> he was accused of being on the Chinese payroll uh, some not all that long ago, and he, he sued, and he was able to sort of win on a technicality. But when you hear that name, Keating, you should probably just translate it in spokesman for the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, you know, he, it's pretty bad. And... That so when you say you hear that name and if you punch it in uh, to the internet you'll see all sorts of things that you know he's you know the Chinese probably consider him a little extreme. 
So the word yeah. unsavory character might apply. It, it would. It's the, or it's alleged. You know, Allegedly, to, an you know, unsavory I don't want to character. sue all marine radio, but it's, it's alleged. Go ahead. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, that's one name when you hear it. You should always sort of put it in, in context. Uh, but the point about the Royal Navy being much too small, that's, you know, the Royal Navy would tell you that. And, uh, you know, it's funny that the, uh, you know, the, the British are now saying, well, they're going to have a permanent presence in the Asia Pacific and no. this and that. How are you going to do and that? Of, yeah, with you don't, with what? You know, the, <laughs> well, both ships or, or just the, the other one. Uh, and, you know, that said, you know, it's, it's better than completely, you know, the, the turtle completely going into its shell. And the British can actually be of some use, particularly, say, on the intelligence and diplomatic end. Well, and again, we can certainly use their 26 ships or whatever they have now. I mean, and their presence there is appreciated. But, I mean, what you've seen over the course of time is this. And and, and what Vladimir Putin is reminding everybody is of the statement that says, only the dead have seen the end of war, right? And so this is the most significant Right, conflict on the European continent since World War II ended. Right, Vladimir Putin has, has manufactured it for the good of uh, Russia, and um, in Pax Americana land, where where the Germans unilaterally disarmed, right, where the French have stood down most of their military, and the same thing for the Brits, right. I mean, because hey, come on, what are the odds we're ever going to do this again? You know, and now you're standing there and saying, good God, look at us. You know, we are a absolutely toothless, you know, nation now. Because he doesn't care about what we say. And we're not really, you know, willing to do anything economically right now. So what, what, do we ha- what, what card do we have to play? And the answer, it's, it's very scary in terms of the way that the, the, the free nations of the world have unilaterally disarmed themselves because they didn't want to spend know, the money. Yeah, yeah you know, they, it's not, the game's not over, but, but it really is. We're in bad shape. And uh, the Russian army, the military, has really improved in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, and to the point, it is it is an impressive military in many respects. And this was done. It was just everyone ignored it. And people would laugh about the Russians. And uh, the, while everyone was laughing at them, they've you know, gotten out the old Charles Atlas bodybuilding course and and they're ripped. Um, you know, to, uh, you know, they've uh, have done pretty well that we would have a very hard time taking them on in that kind of a fight. We just don't have the, the stuff, uh, for one thing. And, you know, when you, you're, you're right, really, when, you know, when, how you've characterized this, is that this is the possibility of a really serious war in Europe. And this is, you know, civilized Europe, where wars don't happen anymore. Uh, and the nature of a fight, you know, it's well, even the one they've got, that sort of smallish one, it's bad enough. But if you can imagine, you know, if the, the Russians do move, you know, you're going to see the stock market go down 15,000 points in an afternoon. You're going okay, to see let, me ask, of, let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to the, to the matter that Putin sits down with his oligarch buddies and say, start shorting the market? 
to the tune of yes. bil- to the tune mm-hmm. of billions that 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 that, that, that type of <laughs> like Doctor Evil uber nefarious shit would go on. Well, that's how they think on Wall Street. Why wouldn't he think that? Uh, now you can ouch. bet there's bets being made. I'm not being funny. It's just that there are people one who understand how to do this stuff. And if your only objective is making money, that you know it can be done. And with events like this, uh, you know they, it's. Uh, I would be surprised if they weren't doing it. Uh, that would be my take. And you know, it, it's. I don't know if you'd call it a sideshow to the in the whole affair, but it. Yeah, I would imagine that there's people you know doing this sort of thing uh, on our side and their side and. Um, and you know, everywhere, if you're, everywhere in between. Yeah. The um, all right. What are you? What are you writing, Grant? And, and uh, I still haven't seen the the prediction list hit my hit my inbox right. yet. So I forget my. I just I'm stacking up the excuses. Oh really? You're, so, you're, uh, you're, you're start yeah. you're starting focus on 2023. You start <laughs> you're starting to write those early. That way you'll get them out on January first. Uh, still too trying to figure out how to short gasoline supply. You know, the gasoline market. Um, especially well, then, let me tell you, there's now. one commodity I would not short. Now, there's a whole bunch that I would, but I would not short uh, that commodity because I don't see that thing coming down anytime soon. I mean, well, I think, 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 think about it. We've, unil- we've unilaterally put ourselves in that, right? I mean, the Saudis, right, went after the shale market. Right and and knocked the bottom out of it. Then after they did, now the price has gone back up, and the United States has shut down pipelines and made ourselves more dependent. And now we're pleading with people with OPEC to please pump more oil. You know, and you, you look at it; it's the theater of the absurd. Um, Grant, do you remember the musical uh, The Producers? Oh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, was that it? I think yeah. Mel Brooks mm-hmm. produces it, but you know, it's the story is these guys scheme uh, to to just create this play and put it on Broadway, and uh, that will just bomb, and they'll collect all this insurance money, <laughs> right? And except, uh, and and so there's so, there's a song in there called "Springtime for Hitler in Germany," uh, yeah, and, yeah, and it's a musical, right? That it's just it's a it's an absurd story, but that to me is what some of this stuff reminds me of. You look at it and you're like, "This is the theater of the absurd. This can't be happening," and 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 yet you're you're watching it, and you know, and so yeah, don't short petroleum futures, okay. Just the word to everybody. Okay. Yeah, just don't stay away from that one. Short a lot of other things, but you know, it's like okay, we don't. It's like Texas, California's rolling brownouts. Well, what is that? Oh, the state can't get enough power. Well, why did they take all these other things offline? Because they don't believe them to be ecologically sound. I know, but don't you think you could, you should have the capability in place before you shut those down? Oh, only if you're a serious policymaker. If you weren't serious, you would do what they're doing and then look at the uh, citizens and tell them that they need to conserve more power. That's what you would do. But it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So um, back to what you're back to what you're writing next. Um, what are you um, mu- What are you I, musing about? What are you What are you toiling well, over? 
Okay, well, there are two things, and I'm just about done with it. I've um, oh. written one of them. I've written, I wrote something about Japan's amphibious rapid deployment brigade. It's Japan's amphibious force. Got it. And it, the point is to get across how it has gone from nothing to, to something in about 10 years, and which it has. You know, it's, act, it's you know, literally went from nothing to, you know, a... You know, a, you know, a reasonable, uh, but still improving uh, amphibious force, and the, and the Marines are more involved in it than they've ever been. Uh, it's, some Marine commanders have not been so interested in what the Japanese have going, but others have. And when you say Marine, a, when you say Marine, you mean okay. United States Marine? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So the you know some have you know not wanted to have anything to do with the Japanese. Others have been very interested and realized what we would get out of a competent Japanese military. And that, I think, is what where we are today. Uh, they've got some pretty good officers on our side who are, understand what you get from the Japanese. So I've got a piece that is, it's almost finished on that. You know, it's sort of um, I would, it's not quite a feel-good piece, but it is nice to be able to point out some progress that's been made. Uh, with the uh, the Japanese, um, the the next thing that I've got in mind is that I think the Japanese are about ready to shoot somebody, and and what I mean by that is uh, that for many years that the idea in Japan and even in parts of the Japanese military that they might actually have to shoot somebody uh, wasn't you know just it was thought unthinkable. And, you know, the Japanese were a, a peace, keep, peace lovers, a peacekeeping force. You know, they built the, the snow monuments up in Hokkaido every year at the uh, snow festival. But war fighting wasn't part of their thing. And but particularly you saw that in the Japanese political world and Japanese officialdom. The idea of Japan actually fighting uh, wasn't, you know, something that people thought was necessary or even possible. But over time, and I think that has changed, you know, somehow at times Japanese thinking and their way of looking at things, it changes over time, often so slowly that one doesn't recognize it. And it's hard to tell when the thing, when the, the shift changed. It's also hard to tell who's responsible for it other than Xi Jinping. Uh, but or on the Japanese side, it's hard to tell, you know, who, how this happened. And I think, though, that that is one of these seismic shifts that has taken place in Japan, really, I'd say, over the last five years. And that's what I'm going to be to be writing about, is that something has changed. Of course, once you get used to the fact that you may have to fight, you still have to be able to. And Japan has a long way to go uh, in that regard. But nonetheless, it's, uh, uh, it, it's very different than what it than what it was 10, 20 years ago. And that's what I'm going to point out. Do we understand it well? Um, or are we simply kind of bloviating? How would you assess that? Oh, I don't think we've really quite caught on to it. The, you know, in fact, I would say the most of America's officialdom has probably hasn't realized that the Japanese had no interest in shooting. Uh, for all that time, or they did, or they thought it was a good thing. Uh, I don't know that we've caught on to this. And the the important thing, of course, is once, if you do recognize the shift has changed, is how do you capitalize on this? 
you know, what do you do to get the Japanese to be able to um, shoot somebody and ideally do it alongside us? So there's things that we need to do to help them build up their defense now that they probably are willing to uh, to take it seriously. And But I don't know that we've ever, we've never really applied pressure the way it uh, needs to be applied. Um, the exception to all of this is probably the Japanese Navy uh, that has... Um, had more of a war fighting uh, ethos than the, the other services. The Japanese Coast Guard for a long time thought of themselves as the, the real shooters because they, on a couple occasions, uh, had sort of lit up uh, North Korean smuggling ships. Um, and that was constituted sort of combat experience in Japan uh, in the last 70 years. Um, but uh, it's, I think that a change has happened. You know, and, and that's the, uh, the Japan has finally recognized they lived in a dangerous part of the world. The Americans aren't the only ones who can take care of them. And they've got to do some more things themselves. And I think even the public at large, I think the public would probably be surprised if they learned that the Japanese military wasn't thinking about shooting anybody. Uh, they might be surprised to learn that. But the, the public was probably out ahead of everybody else uh, on this shift. Got it. Got it. All right, Grant. First of all, I want to thank you. Uh, apologize for uh, being a day late, but uh, you're always very gracious to me relative to your time. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's amazing watching. Um, you know, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know how, um, I don't know how I would describe this. I mean, is it akin to watching what, you know, uh, the world watched in the 1930s when, you know, Adolf Hitler, you know, began what would become the Second World War. And, you know, you're standing there wringing your hands and everybody's saying, oh, yeah, but he's not going to do this or he'll only do this. And then all of a sudden he does it and he looks at you with impunity. And then, you know, so it's, uh, I mean, you're watching history get made. And, and to me, the speech, right, asserting Russian, Russia's right to own Ukraine when Ukraine is now a free nation is chilling, right? It's, uh, it ought to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, straight up out of yesteryear. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, and then what will the response of the free nations be? And, uh, again, if, if it's anything close to what we've seen relative to the way they respond to China's aggression, China's rights abuses, it will simply be nothing. And which is which means the rules based order that is the world has, has lived under and thrived under much of it uh, since World War Two uh, will, uh, you know, in the not too distant future, be a thing of the past. And you'll have the world according to garb with everything that entails. And so and, and just the com most comforting part of it all is all paid for your friend, all paid by for your friends on Wall Street. So we got that going for us. So. Anyway, amazing stuff, though. Amazing stuff. So, anyway, Grant, thank you. Okay, sure. Boy, you're, you're, you're scaring me. I'm going to go back to sleep. <laughs> you but, should uh, go back to sleep. <laughs> it's not worth, no, it's not worth no, getting up. You're, now. You're, in, right. you're in front of us, okay? You're in the yeah. future. We're mm -hmm. following behind you. But I'm telling you, mm -hmm. right, the past is not so good. And uh, if, it's mm -hmm. any if past performance is any indication of future returns, yeah, not so much. Not so much. Anyway, thanks, Grant. Sure. Okay, out here. Bye-bye.
That'll do it on a Tuesday. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike McNamara broadcasting, as I said before, from Toma, Wisconsin. Home of the 181st Brigade of the United States Army. So doing post-traumatic winning up here for the week and uh, really excited. Uh, their Sergeant Major, just um, just an awesome guy. And so um, after my experience last week in Alaska, you know, uh, I'm excited about, you know, bringing this to the first Army organization I've ever done it to. And then excited about how it's going to spread because it works. So I uh, got a chance to meet with those guys today. And, uh, very cool. Very cool. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, time will tell what Vladimir Putin uh, has in store for the world, the, the people of the Ukraine. And so, you know, the Biden administration said he's going to Kiev. And I guess, obviously, time will tell. So uh, my thanks to Grant for coming on. I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio. If I can help you, if I can help you help somebody else, uh, do not hesitate. All the contact information on the website comes to me, and I'd be more than happy to. So on that note, have a great Tuesday. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow, probably doing the news, keep an eye on what's going on in... Uh, on the eastern side of Europe. And, um, and then on Friday, the Mensa Brothers will join me. So, on that note, I'm out. Have a good one. If you're in Wisconsin, stay warm. Out. Yeah.